What is going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by Matt Sells. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. The, I guess the second one of 2022, but this is the first one we're actually pre- previewing DFS content. We are talking the Daytona 500 coming this Sunday. We are recording this Wednesday night. Uh, we are about 30 to 45 minutes away from single uh, car qualifying. Uh, that's only going to determine the front row. But I'm Dan. I'm in Atlanta. Matt is in Vegas for a very special conference this weekend. Matt, how you doing? Two-time FSWA NASCAR Rider of the Year, hopefully three-time. I'm doing well. Uh, I am in Vegas at the moment. Um, but, you know, all the content is flowing normally. My picks-wise picks already came out for the outright winners for Daytona 500. I will have another piece out on Friday for the props there. Uh, track breakdown and everything else will come out just like normal. So even though I'm in Vegas for the next couple days, still working through it. That's right. I go to Vegas and keep working. <laughs> um, all right. So let's just talk. Uh, what do you want to start with? You want to start with schedule breakdown? We did, we're kind of doing this on the fly just because our schedules are a little chaotic this week. What do you want to break down for? Do you want to just break down? The scheduling for this week, I know for the Super Speedway podcast, if you're new, Super Speedway Speedway podcasts are generally shorter. We more so talk strategy, maybe teams to target. We don't really touch on specific drivers just because of the nature of these races. But do you want to talk about the schedule for this week, both for us and for NASCAR? Yeah, let's uh, start with that. So you already mentioned that there's single car qualifying uh, coming up in, what, about an hour, I guess, 30 minutes? Just about. Uh, um so for daytona specifically for the daytona 500 specifically single car qualifying is only going to set a the front row for the daytona 500 and the order of who's in what duels okay so though the guys that finished p1 and p2 in qualifying tonight We'll start on the front row for the Daytona 500, regardless of what happens in the duels on Thursday night. Everybody behind them, all of the odd-numbered qualifiers are in one duel. All of the even-numbered qualifiers are in another duel. Then the order of the finish position in the duels sets the rest of the field for the Daytona 500. Okay? So... Not really much to do about anything tonight. Just because a guy qualified 30th tonight doesn't mean he's starting the Daytona 500 30th. Um, It is important for the pole, right? Um, But again, the pole and the outside pole generally don't matter for Daytona either. So um, then you get two two dual races on Thursday night, which will set the actual field, um, you know, for those trying to still make it. You know, like you've got Floyd Mayweather's team, you've got New York Racing Team, you've got um, the uh, Team Hezeberg. All of these teams are still trying to make it. You've got some other ones, too. Um, Like Greg Biffle's team, I think, is still trying to make it. I think he's on the New York Racing Team. Oh, is that the New... Okay. Yeah, I think he's the driver. There's so many, like, random... (laughs) Right, no, I hear you. It's, like, impossible to keep track of. Um... And then there's some more practices over the weekend. But, again, practices at Daytona also don't really matter because of the style of racing. So 
Um, even even on Tuesday's practice, the first session was relatively tame. Right. Session two, I think the big takeaway was just like the Fords actually really, I think, pushing it to the limit and trying to see what these cars could do. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Forcing a skew change, too, right? Like, right. if you watch Tuesday's practice, you're not going to see those cars again on track because they changed the rules for um, how much skew you can put into the body, which if you watched practice, you'll see some cars that look like they were driving sideways down the straight. Uh, that's not going to happen again because they changed <laughs> they changed the rule overnight. <clears throat> on tuesday was that just nascar saying this is not aesthetically pleasing on tv we have to get rid of this uh i don't know i think it's mainly because it's a new body and they had the rule set at some you know at some level and the and the teams kind of pushed the limit on that thing so they dialed it back right like there's going to be a lot of correction this year with the new with the new car because they have rules in place and they have some set up and they figure that those would be sufficient. And then you're going to get to the track and find out, yeah, these guys are driving sideways cars and they're going to change some stuff. So I think it mainly had to do with it's a new car. Yeah. It also didn't look great on TV either. So, you know, probably a little bit of both. Uh, I'll touch on the truck and Xfinity schedule really quick. Uh, I'm not going to be doing anything for picks wise. Matt and I kind of hashed that out. Uh, earlier in the week, I will be posting my favorite bets in the NASCAR DFS Discord. Uh, I will also be doing prize picks that will be published on DFS Alarm for each truck and Xfinity race. Um, I know somebody was in the Discord earlier today asking about driver changes. I'm going to touch on that in detail in every in the truck and Xfinity playbook separately, just so it's in writing and you have like a written record of which drivers are now which uh, with the new teams. But... <clears throat> As of right now, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday night, truck and Xfinity contests on DraftKings just became available. They only have three contests open uh, for each race. They do not have prices yet. Um, it's a little frustrating because I was hoping to start the playbook for the trucks tonight, but that playbook will be up Friday morning as well as the prize picks. Xfinity playbook will be up Saturday morning as well as those prize picks, and then I'll be posting betting odds and my favorite props uh in the nascar dfs discord uh with that we can just briefly touch on daytona this is a two and a half mile monster of a course it is high banked uh <clears throat> you know it's it's plate racing as they used to call it or some people still do uh it's this in talladega it's chaotic can you do you have anything else you want to add uh, no, for those of you who might be able to hear the fighter jet in the background, keep in mind Nellis Air Force Base is not that far from Vegas, and they do routine flights. Um, in fact, if you remember, part of the Vegas Motor Speedway is uh, tied into Nellis Air Force Base uh, in terms of name, not actual like property. Um, yeah, you you broke it down pretty well. So, you know, Daytona is the second type for the second longest track. It's the second steepest track. It's one of the fastest tracks on the NASCAR schedule. You and I had the pleasure of walking the track a couple of years ago. Even the front stretch is ridiculously banked. Um, we got a calf workout just walking up from the um, <laughs> from you know the double yellow line all the way up to the wall at the start finish line, um, and that's not even that's not even the steepest part of the track. So, um, if you want a picture of it, I guess if a car is down on the apron and another car is up by the wall in the turns 
there's about an entire three-story house in between them in terms of height. Um, so that'll give you kind of an idea of just how high and how steeply banked these turns are. Um, even though it's the new car, we're still going to have pack racing here based on the um, aero package they've put in place for here, Talladega, and also, by the way, Atlanta gets the same package. Um, so we're going to get pack racing just like we normally do. Now, one stipulation here is that I think we're going to see a little bit more tame racing this week than we normally do. And the main reason for that is that there is a car, there, there is a parts shortage. So NASCAR has mandated that certain companies manufacture all of the parts for all of the cars for all of the teams. So no more in-house engines, no more in-house specific parts made by specific teams, whatnot. Well, that's caused the problem, as I'm sure you're aware, there's shortages everywhere of everything. So, you know, there's shortages of these car parts. Well, what does that mean? Some pretty big teams are not bringing backup cars to Daytona. So if they have a problem in the duels, they're going to have to fix it. Uh, if they have a problem in practice, they're going to have to fix it. Obviously, in the race, you don't get to go to a backup car when you crash out. But that also means that because this car has to be used again in a couple of weeks in the West Coast Swing, there's going to be some trepidation as to just how crazy people want to get with the moves. Um, now, Joey Logano has come out and said, if you race scared, you're never going to win. Yep. Okay. But you also didn't race scared last year, and you didn't win either. So... I'm not sure your comment holds, <laughs> holds up. Um, so, you know, it might be a little bit more single file for a, for longer this year than we're used to seeing. But rest assured, there's still going to be crashes. It's, yeah. it's pack racing. and I'm kind of with you, like, through the duels and the practices, I think it's more tame and calm. Nobody wants to wreck the car before the race. I even think the first two stages are going to be relatively tame. But I think when it comes down to the third stage, everyone that's still in it, it's Daytona. It's the biggest race of the year. I still think they're going to be making moves to be aggressive. And like you said, there's going to be wrecks. You know, not everyone's going to make it out of this race clean. Um, so I think we will get the carnage that we get expect from Daytona. I just think it'll be pretty late in the race and we'll have probably a good amount of restarts in stage three. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to come a lot. Late, like it's certainly not going to be lap 13 like it was no. uh last year if anybody remembers that 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 wreck took out like a quarter of the field in 13 laps so that's not going to happen this year um i would imagine that you don't see a ton of cautions until about the second half of stage three um so for those of you that are like well i tuned in to watch a wreck fest and we're 180 laps into this just you know just wait, because we had the same Stay thing after Talladega, too, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, they made it, like, 186 laps caution-free, and then the last two laps, like, half the field wrecked out. So, you know, we'll have crashes. They'll just be later. Uh, <clears throat> let's talk a little DFS strategy. In terms of scoring, FanDuel's not changing a thing. Uh, I posted that in the Discord earlier. It's still... Half a point for position differential. And what that means on FanDuel is that if you're starting 20th and you move up and finish 14th, 
you gain a half point for each spot that you gain, so that's three points. Plus you get, on FanDuel, you get a tenth of a point for completing a lap. You get a tenth of a point for leading a lap. <clears throat> Doesn't make much sense. But on FanDuel, the general strategy that I deploy is just try to pick drivers that you think are going to finish well, preferably all in the top 10, preferably as close to the front as possible, and you need to nail the winner. DraftKings, I believe, I have it open right now, but I'm not going to uh, use my slow-ass internet trying to pull up their scoring. I believe it's the same as last year. It's the same as last year, yeah. So 0.45 points for a fastest lap, 0.25 points for a lap led, and they do a full point for position differential, so... Using the last example, if you start 20th and you finish 14th, that's plus six points for position differential, plus you get the allocated amount of points for finishing 14th, <clears throat> and so on and so forth. Now, dominator points usually play a bigger role uh, in mile and a halfs, not so much road courses, definitely short tracks. Daytona and Talladega, we typically see with pack racing that the laps led, they can be shifted towards one driver if he's lucky enough to stay out in front for the whole, most of the race but in general fastest laps are hard to truly rack up here um isn't it rare to even see someone get double digit uh fastest laps at daytona and talladega yeah i mean it's it's uncommon i wouldn't put it in a rare category it's uncommon um but it does mainly depend on where you are in the draft, right? Like you're rarely going to see the guy in the front of the pack get the fastest lap, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but the speeds in the draft are faster than they are up front. Because the guy up front is the one that's punching the hole in the wall. Over right, there. he's punching a hole in the air for everybody else. And so, um, and if you think about it, like, you know, birds fly in that V, right? Why do they do it? Because the people, the ones in the back, are using less energy to go the same speed as the ones in the front and then they rotate right that's kind of what we're going to see here in uh, daytona so you know with so many shifting spots in the draft and which line is faster throughout the race yeah you you know oftentimes it's pretty hard to bank on i mean fastest laps are hard to bank on in general unless we're talking short track or a mile and a half where you get one guy who's just so much faster than anybody else um but you know lap sled can be accrued here we have seen guys stay up front for 40 50 laps at a time and that can be a differentiator it's not going to be a dominating one but it's going to be a differentiation um so yeah you're generally going to want to you know the phrase stack the back gets said a lot for plate races um that's somewhat true it's not fully don't take the oldest <clears throat> guy starting in the last seven spots and put him in your lineups that's not usually what hits usually what hits is about 20 to 30. the guys starting 20 to 30 are usually the ones that hit better than the guy starting 30th on back um and you can play one guy starting in the top 10 because usually one guy starting in the top 10 is enough in that lineup and they're going to hold their spot like austin Dillon last year for example in the the daytona 500 if i believe started fourth and finished second if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. um and so usually uh, every year you have at least one guy in the top 10 who hangs out in the top 10 and finishes there right <clears throat> He's an anchor to your lineup um the other thing is salaries don't matter this week like, I mean, they do because you still can't get all $10,000 dudes in your lineup in DK, but you're going to be leaving massive quantities of money on the table. 
this week. Um, if you do the approach of stacking everybody from 25th on back on FanDuel, you're going to leave approximately $30,000 on the table. Don't be shocked. Like, you know, the average winning lineup here, I think, leaves seven to $9,000 on the table. Just about, yeah. Right. So <clears throat> I uh, think the there was there was a Daytona or Talladega race last year where it was they weren't I'm not going to call them back markers in the Cup Series, but it was comprised of cars from smaller teams and the lineup like left thirteen thousand six hundred dollars on the table. Like you don't need to spend every penny at Daytona. Yeah, I'm actually <clears throat> pulling up. Um, trying to pull up my lineup from. Uh, last year on FanDuel because I actually took down um, the uh, it took down a GPP on FanDuel last year for Daytona um, and won it and I'm trying to see what um, well you definitely had McDowell I had McDowell I had Austin Dillon in that lineup um, I had Denny Hamlin because he started 25th um I may have had Ross Chastain in that lineup because he started like 34th, I think, something like that. Um, so like it was, it was mostly guys starting 20th on back um, that finished uh, finished well. But yeah, McDowell was the key. I also bet on McDowell to win last year. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the strategy. We're not really focused on dominator points. Yeah. Obviously, on FanDuel, you're not going to get Dominator points in almost any race. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's basically the strategy. And By the way, those of you who play prize picks, their scoring changed this year to match DraftKings. So when you do the over-unders on fantasy points on prize picks, it's basically the same as DraftKings scoring, almost identical. It's actually a great format to choose from. Right. So... <clears throat> If you're already in the mind of DFS and you're going, I think this guy's going to have a really good day, and then you go to Prize Picks and you see the fantasy points, it's almost it's going to be almost like you're trying to envision what they're going to score on DraftKings. Basically, uh, there's also um, laps led over unders, fastest laps over unders. There's net passing, which I don't know that they're going to do for Daytona because that would be insane. <clears throat> yeah. Um, cause you're going to see, I mean, for example, for those of you who pay attention to quality passes in the track breakdown, you're going to see guys average more than a hundred quality passes here at race. Like the passing is nuts because every time a line shifts, you technically count as a pass, but you don't really shift anywhere. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the idea here is you're going to want to focus on guys that can get you position differential and stay on the track. Now, let's talk another strategy. Um, this is going to be huge, I feel, for Xfinity, uh, especially with Colin Racing. Um, I'll touch on this in the Xfinity playbook, but stacking teams. Can you do a full stack for a team? Maybe go with a couple teammates. Um, they will pit together. They will typically run most of the race together. I know uh, Joe Gibbs Racing probably won't have any problem just falling to the back of the field early on in the race and maybe running the first two stages at the end of the field just to get just to make sure that they're there at the end to potentially win it team stacking um you think jgr uh obviously penske and the fords that's viable at daytona uh it is i do think um team stacking or manufacturer stacking is um a reliable strategy here I wouldn't do it for every lineup because the problem is if they are pitting together and then 
you know, let's say they get back in line and something happens, well, they're going to be all grouped up together. So you run a higher risk of your entire lineup getting taken out if everybody's a Ford and they've all just pitted and they all just, you know. So it's something you can do. I don't know that I would do full lineup stacks of, you know, oh, I got um, SHR and Penske because I really like all of the Fords together. Like, I would probably pick one or the other so that you have your bases covered there. I mean, obviously, it's a dart throw of a race to begin with. So anything you can do to avoid um, the volatility of the race is always good. But, yes, team stacking. Um, now, speaking of Penske, we have been fine in the past with putting all three of them, uh, you know, the 2, the 12, and the 22 in lineups. There's one problem, though, because it's not Brad Keselowski in the two. It's Austin Sindrick in the two. And so is a guy like Austin Sindrick going to carry the same kind of respect in the front of the pack as Keselowski did? Um, I'm fine with Logano and Blaney, obviously. Those guys are phenomenal plate racers. Um, in fact, I'm glad you what? mentioned Sindrick. Uh, I apologize for interrupting you so because my question was my next question was going to be like what is the approach with rookies or drivers like uh i guess noah gregson still qualifies a rookie but i mean he has to qualify but like drivers that typically don't run cup series or nascar all that often you know what is your approach with fresh faces in the daytona 500 this year or is it still dependent on where they start well, so a little bit's going to depend on where they start, but less so here because obviously anything can – I mean, if they're starting in the teens, you probably don't want them because that's about the worst starting spot <laughs> for the Daytona 500. Um, but I think, interestingly enough, at Daytona, it's more so what can you do for me now versus what have you done for me lately, right? So, like, when you're on track – has this guy been able to push people all day? Has this guy been able to run steadily in the front all day? If we remember back to when Bubba Wallace was a rookie, he finished second in the Daytona 500, right? Why did he do that? Because he proved that he could push people. He proved he had a good enough car to be up front that day. It didn't matter he was a rookie. Now, the rest of the year, they pushed him around like he was a rookie, right? So guys like Austin Sindrick, guys like... I think this especially talks about Justin Haley because Justin Haley got pushed around in the clash two weeks ago, right? He got absolutely just shoved out of the way because he's a rookie and people didn't think he belonged there, right? <clears throat> now we're on a plate track. What has Justin Haley done in his career? Done nothing but win plate races, right? Like between the cup race and between cup races and Xfinity races, I think he won what five or six straight plate races or something like five of seven plate races, something crazy <laughs> like that. So that guy, we already know that car is fast, and that guy has has good experience at plate tracks. Sindrick, yeah, Penske's are good, but, I mean, it's he's going to have to prove that he can push people fairly at the, at the you know, front of the pack to be trusted before he gets booted on out of there, right? So that's kind of the only, the only thing with these back markers that might have rookies in them is it's a little harder to trust them because if if the veterans don't feel like that guy can hang in the draft they're going to push him to, to the back he's going to get you know put into the middle and he's going to get sucked backwards pretty quickly so 
that's kind of an interesting uh, tweak there, because normally we'd have no problem putting the two in a Penske stack, but this year I I don't know. Um, <clears throat> not sure what else you wanted to touch on, but I know one thing we always preach when we when we play super speedways, um, you know, bankroll management is key, especially if this is your first time playing NASCAR DFS. In the introduction to NASCAR DFS article I published a couple weeks ago, I said that. Daytona can be a turnoff for casual players, especially if you're new and <clears throat> you have a bunch of drivers that wreck out and don't finish. Yeah, that kind of sucks. And it's hard to retain DFS players when the biggest race of the year, when that DraftKings is offering up a Millie maker, you know, which by the way, don't play the Millie maker. I have Unless some tickets, have tickets that I just, yeah, I have some tickets. Unless you have free tickets. It's not, I mean, put in one lineup maybe, but the the rake in that and then the the payout distribution is not good like it's forty million to first money then, goes place yeah it's awful and something like 80, 80 something percent of people are gonna leave without money yeah it's yeah it's tempting to go say oh if I hit the lottery okay yeah but that's what it is it's a lottery <laughs> especially at Daytona so um, yeah I'll put Dan on payroll management play this one lighter than we normally would even for experienced you know folks like us we play this much lighter than we normally do um because you never know what's gonna happen you literally i could tell you that look denny hamlin's won three daytona 500s he's won two of the last three he won the first two stages last year and finished fifth right doesn't mean a damn thing coming into this year. He could still crash out just the same as everybody else, right? Martin Truex Jr., typically not great at these tracks. He could win it. Who the hell knows, right? So just play it lighter. Uh, and if you're new here, we do have a free view going this weekend for all NASCAR content. Um, so if you like what you see, go ahead and sign up for the, the uh, one of our packages. Um, but yeah, this is a, it's a far trickier race to start the season with than I think the casual NASCAR fan fully, <laughs> fully understands next, the next few weeks at places like auto club in Las Vegas are a lot more predictable racetracks. Yeah. Like you'll see a, just a drastic change, like other, other tracks, <clears throat> like Matt said, auto club, Vegas, Phoenix, which I love for NASCAR DFS. Yeah. Um, like those, like those, those races are much more spread out. You can fall off the lead lap. You can regain a spot on the lead lap. You know, there's a lot more strategy and drivers that cater to those kinds of tracks. Sure, there are drivers that are very good plate racers, but at the end of the day, you know, no one is safe from wrecking out at Daytona or Talladega. Um, <clears throat> Matt, was there anything else you wanted to touch on? I know. Everything's free this weekend. You know, the playbooks, the driver breakdowns. Matt and I are going to be in the Discord. We're always in the Discord answering questions. You know, we will be available to you all weekend, even as Matt is in Vegas currently. Uh, but is there anything else you wanted to touch on uh, that I may have missed? Nope, I don't think so. I mean, the content schedule for Cup has been pinned in the Discord, I believe. Um, if it's not, just scroll up a little bit and you'll find it. Um, so the picks-wise, my betting is already out. Uh, on Pixwise, those, by the way, will always be free. Pixwise is an entirely free site. Um, so my outright winners are out already. Uh, track breakdown coming out on Thursday. And then you'll have the uh, props piece 
on PicksWise on Friday. You'll also have DFS rankings on Friday. I will then have projections out Saturday morning for the Cup. We won't have Xfinity or Truck projections. Um, I don't think we're going to do them this year. Quite Can yet. I say one thing to that, too? Yeah. As someone who covers Xfinity and Truck <clears throat> on a weekly basis, the drivers in those series are so much more difficult to trust than at the Cup level. Yep. So... You know, and and I can easily give my own personal projection for how I think the race unfolds and how Dominator points may be distributed. But there are back markers and just overall bad drivers and start and park cars more in truck and Xfinity. And it's it's just so much easier. Like I, I cover Xfinity and trucks and I was having a bad season in that series just because it's so hard to read just the drivers and the equipment sometimes I was thankful at the season at the end of the season where I had a really solid weekend where I took down a couple of GPPs and Xfinity. So <clears throat> it does suck that we don't have projections for those yet, but just because the overall, just I, the lack of trust I have in those drivers to run a solid race, uh, it does it. I'm okay. Not having projections at this point, but it is something that we are still working towards. Yeah. Um, that, that's basically what it comes down to, right? Is it's just um, too volatile of series to try to uh, project comfortably uh, week in and week out because, you know, even guys like Noah Gragson who are talented still put it in the wall and blow tires out on their own, let alone when they get into a back marker, right? Like yeah. there's it, <clears throat> craziness unfolds every single week in the Xfinity and Truck series. Um, and so then Saturday afternoon, the playbook for Daytona will be out. Um, and then example lineups will be out 90 minutes before lock on Sunday. Prize picks will probably be out Sunday morning for Cup, I would assume. Um, yeah. Oh, one other final thing. If you are new to DFS NASCAR or you haven't played on one side or the other, DraftKings doesn't care if a guy gets disqualified at the end of a race. Once the checkered flag drops, their scoring is official. They pay out off that. FanDuel, if the guy that won gets disqualified, they will adjust, adjust. their scoring, um, you know, accordingly. They will count it just like NASCAR does, which is the guy got DQ'd. He finishes 40th or whatever the number is that week, and your DFS scoring will adjust, and so will everybody else's. So just... Pay attention to that. That's why I was, it was the longest wait of my life uh, last year when it took two and a half hours for McDowell to clear uh, post race. Oh, that's right. I didn't even think about that. The race ended at like <clears throat> 10 central time and he didn't clear, put the all clear wasn't given until like one o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> the whole time I had to hope he cleared because the win was on FanDuel, not on DraftKings. So if he didn't clear, I wasn't going to win the. But yeah, it was a that was a sweat all in all in its own. So um, just keep that in mind as well. I mean, it rarely happens, and they might be more lenient with the new car, or they might be more strict with the new car to keep things, um, you know, in line. But that's one thing to keep in mind. It's not a dis, you know, doesn't dissuade me from playing on Fanduel. It's just something you have to keep in mind. 
All right. Well, Matt, uh, thank you so much for your time. I know it was tough to find a, a window for this to, for us to get this one in. And just a heads up, the Daytona and Talladega podcasts generally are shorter, uh, just because it's, it's and more just generic. To, so yeah, it's there's there's the same strategy that you may hear from most healths in the industry. Uh, for any other track, whether it's a road course, intermediate, a short track, we will obviously we sometimes go 45 minutes to an hour on those. So while this one's just over a half hour, uh, don't really expect that going forward. Uh, but Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you. I hope you have another successful takedown of the Daytona 500. I hope our subs have a couple takedowns yeah. of their own. I'm probably going to suck ass this weekend. But thank you so much, so much for your time, Matt. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.